My name is Dr. Lindsay Wisner. I'm a psychologist, author, a mom, and still an occasional shit show. You're listening to the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. This is a place for smart, sweary women to talk about stuff that matters, stuff that can make us uncomfortable, but stuff that helps us to learn and grow and be okay with living in that discomfort of not knowing the right thing to say or do all the time. Thanks for listening. You can also find me on Instagram at psychshrinkmom or at neuroticnourishment. I be real with you I've had to re-record this intro five times now and the first four it was because I couldn't figure out why my mic wasn't plugged in so in a year I have learned nothing apparently <sighs> hello and welcome to the official uh, one-year anniversary bonus episode of the neurotic nourishment podcast thank you for listening um, thank you for continuing to tune in and thank you for keeping us going Um, For this episode, my beloved former co-host Sharon comes back and we review the top 10 greatest moments of the podcast in our slash my opinion. If you have others, let me know. If there's something I miss, let me know. And uh, if there's an episode you missed that piques your interest, you know where to find us. Stay safe and stay sane, people. Thanks for listening. I missed your face. I missed your face, too. Mm. Today, because it'll be today when we air it, Uh is our one-year anniversary, and Sharon was kind enough to come back to do our top 10 um, favorite moments. And um, I have to tell you, I did... I had some sad but fond times, and I think some of the best things were the banter between us. Yeah, um, I miss that. I miss that too. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe you'll have something exciting to talk about, like how not to kill our kids in the pandemic. So mm. we'll see. Tough um, Heavy topic. It's very hard. So we will jump in and Sharon, I hope that Sharon doesn't fall asleep. I'm not. I just ate like a big piece of chocolate cake because okay. I, ooh, well, not cake, over. As long as it wasn't emotional eating. So there no, you go. it wasn't. I was actually purposely, I was like, I am savoring this cake right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking in the flavors. Oh, I think I sense coffee there. <laughs> like it was, it was good. But yeah, I've been fighting a headache this morning, but I feel better already seeing your pun in. See? Yay. Um, so, uh, okay, we are going to, I'm going to present the, that sounded cheesy. Uh, so favorite moment number 10 um, is uh, the episode called, uh, I should have remembered this, but it's called like crazy, funny moms of Instagram or something. And it's from the first season. And I, um, I was interviewing a Kendra of at anxious moms and we love her. Yeah. And Gila of at the mom who knew too, too, who knew too much. And I love her too. I think that we've 
the world has come a long way in terms of, I guess, inclusivity and, and you know, understanding the different genders. But in my in my view, it's we still are different genders, and that's before we discuss yeah. you know, whatever other genders we want to talk about. But in terms of male female, there are differences that should be celebrated. And okay. I don't. I I maybe I'm you know old school, but I don't think we should be trying to. Um, impose or, or swap or superimpose um, norms or experiences that are traditionally one gender or the other. If somebody wants that experience, they can try to go out and get it. But um, I, th- I think there's just too much pressure to for women to have it all and have everything a man has and um, you know we can do it too. We can do things, they can do things, we can do things that they can't do and vice versa. And as far as we've come, there are just certain things that, that have not been broken through yet. You know, I don't, I, I still believe that there's a mixed company, men will speak one way. And as soon as they go off on their own into a group, they're speaking another way. They have another language that they wouldn't feel is appropriate for, for women. And I, I don't see how you can really change the mentality of people. Are you against sort of, um, Listen, I love trashy language because, um, you know, but so I guess it would depend what would be said. I guess uh, if there. For example, I was in a meeting the other day, um, something school related. Um, my husband and I have, re- have recently been asked to and have agreed to join one aspect of the school board. And we want to see if we can, you know, pitch in and make a difference. These are really big priorities for us. And so we're in this meeting with a gentleman who's, uh, fundraised for the school for many, many years. And he's he's been a significant fundraiser. He's gotten lots of money for the school over years. And this is England, mind you. So I'm sitting around the table with a bunch of British people. So it's me and my husband, two other gentlemen who are going to join the same board. Um, another person who's already on the school board and this fundraising guy. And he's sort of getting you know into a heated conversation with us and with himself and explaining all the things he's done and he goes he goes and, and quite frankly you know I wouldn't care one bloody oh excuse me he looks at me and he goes oh excuse me like he couldn't say bloody in front of me. <laughs> totally fine dude <laughs> I wanted to say like until I fucking fine dude you know what I'm saying uh, yeah I, I you know I'll, I'll use words like that for emphasis I try not to use them in front of my kids because it's not a way of life so much as it is a well-placed emphatic word but he wouldn't have said excuse me had I not been in the room it was just for my benefit that he felt he couldn't say bloody so maybe he's just from a different time when you censor yourself that way but there is a sense of there's something other in this room there's something other there this we are not amongst ourselves we are amongst ourselves plus a foreign object I agree but I don't know if I'm I don't know if I wasn't there I would have laughed because I've got a lot worse, you know, words and bloody, but I don't know if I'm offended. That's cute. Yeah, it's sort of cute, you know, but I, like, I don't know that I'm offended by that. It does seem a little old school. And it also, I don't mind when a man holds a door open for, you know, like it's a. Uh, Me neither. There's got to be. A, I have doors open for people. So do I. And there's got to be a difference between genders wanting to be equal and wanting to be equivalent um you know but i think women do the same thing too in what way kendra's alive in what way i'm here i'm listening (laughs) i'm just like looking around the window if you have a bunch of 
if you have a bunch of women in a room, we will talk about something different, I believe. Like what? Give us a give us a dirty example. Like, okay, there were four women in a room, and all of a sudden it turned into birth stories. I don't think I would hang out with women that talked about birth stories a lot, honestly. What? I just don't give a fuck. I mean, it, 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 it sometimes it sometimes goes there. You know, they yeah. are you can bond over that, but yeah, I I, I don't know. I think it depends on the men. I don't know. The bottom line is our brains are wired differently, and I think there are like a Venn diagram. Like there are parts of us that overlap and and come together, and parts of us that just don't and won't. Gila, you had me at Venn diagram. There's nothing that is like one, (laughs) like Malcolm Gladwell, Venn diagram. I'm like, I think I just had an orgasm from the Venn diagram mentioned. So go on. (laughs) Wait, wait. What if I say Abraham Maslow? (gasps) Ah, That's good. You, well, you weren't here when my daughter walked in and asked me what an outlier was. I was like, thank you. Oh, yeah. Revisionist history, the bestest. Um, All of it. So good. I mean, listen, I will say the only birth story I have that has any relevance is after like several hours. Actually, Kendra's smiling. She's like, I feel like the wheels are turning. I feel like she's memeing about us in her car right now. (laughs) She is. Another phone. (laughs) It's my burner phone. Nobody knows what's on that one. (laughs) Exactly. You go sell your drugs, Kendra, okay? (laughs) And my pornography. Mm -hmm. So I, exactly. Why are you even talking to us? You could be making, you're probably making money while you're sitting in that car. (laughs) (laughs) Can you guys hear that I'm under a bridge? Why did I pick this location? Is it really loud? You're under a bridge? Sometimes I can hear. even more like you're selling drugs. (laughs) You're so selling drugs. We know why you picked the location. That's where the drug dealers go. (laughs) You hear those helicopters over the bridge, Kendra? (laughs) (laughs) It's under a big, like of all the places I pick. Under a main highway, under a bridge, it's probably gonna fall on me. I mean, no, probably not. It's not gonna fall. It's not not gonna (laughs) fall on you. But can I just point out, if you were a man, you would just be like, "I have to step out. I have an appointment," and you wouldn't be hiding under a bridge, looking around like this every three minutes. (laughs) I I am. Do you see me? I keep. Yes, you look crazy, pants. (laughs) Um, I loved that. It was very funny, and I loved talking with the two of them. Um, They are. Fantastic. Uh, you're up. <laughs> My turn. Um, okay. So number nine, the Alice episode. Sometimes you got a lot. Okay. So we were talking to Alice Chan of MomCom New York City. She's hilarious and awesome. And Lindsay <laughs> happened <laughs> to tell us about an episode where she, wait, this was, well, two things happened. So we'll this- ju- We'll play this, it. We'll just okay. play it. <laughs> yeah, this was, this, was, this was very entertaining. We were podcasting. I got this text from this, this guy that I haven't spoken to in, in, it was a Facebook message actually. And he's like, hey, I, t- I think I told you this part, Jerome. Yeah, you did. Right. I had gone to high school with him and we had like kept in touch off and on. And he was basically like, hey, I, you know, I, I unfriended you for four years ago, four and a half years ago because of my soon to be ex-wife. So, but I'd love to be your friend again. I was like, sure. 
great guy, love him. Yeah. Didn't notice that he was, um, that he had unfriended me because his wife was always a little, I wasn't a huge fan of her mm-hmm. and she really wasn't a fan of me. And so it, it's, you know, I, I thought he started making some questionable decisions um, like he discovered religion hardcore and this was a guy that had been atheist since he was 16 17 and like mm-hmm. remember I'm old so this was a long time ago anyhow I was like yeah sure I was like of course great to hear from you we touch base for a little while <sighs> I think he might be listening to our podcast which is a shame but I'm gonna do this anyway and do it Friday morning I woke up to another Facebook message from his wife. <gasps> yes. It was going. so fucking fantastic. <laughs> Aren't you happy I pulled this out, Sharon? I'm so I'm impressed with you right now, Lindsay. Week. I mean, so I would like to read it to you. Oh, please. And I, I, I would <laughs> love your feedback, ladies. <laughs> I will also read you what I sent her in yes. return. Okay, this is so exciting, right? It starts with, and I will prove it to you guys that this is how it starts. Oh, my God. Okay. This is when you put the dot, dot, dot. Yes. She did not use a dot, 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 but I will. Just for the record, you, and it's the letter U, which really irritates me. Sorry. (laughs) You are a fucking cunt. (laughs) If you want an opening, that is it, baby. Uh, she goes on to say that her former husband encouraged me to believe, or so-and-so, who you encouraged to believe that I was all of his problems. Yeah, right. You are a disgusting bitch that got some sort of kick out of getting him all worked up and indignant for fucking years. I want to pause and just clarify, there was never a romantic relationship with this guy, which, I mean, great guy, adore him. He's known my boyfriends throughout the years. But I've seen him twice since high school. Twice. This is so good. I know. You were a disgusting bitch that got some sort of kick out of getting him all worked up and indignant for years. Did you ever for once stop to think about how he then decided I deserve to be treated? Did you ever think that maybe I wasn't a total monster? I stood by him and supported him for 13 years. You, the fucking letter, and by the way, every time she does this, it's a you, which really pisses me off, fine. (laughs) You helped make my life shit for a few years, and now you have your little puppet back, and I hope you fuck his next chick as hard as you fucked me, you petty little booze hound. (laughs) So I will give her a point for petty little booze hound, because of... As you both know, I do like my booze. But I am not petty. No, wait, it's not done. It's not done. It's not done. I feel sorry for your children. (gasps) She She did not. She She did not. She did. That is low. It is super low. And from what Blank told me, and he told me you were exactly like your mother, whatever that means, by the way, that is like the testicles. That is like the kick in the testicles. You are a horrible mom, and I'm sure a subpar wife. Oh. I, w- I wish there was a way that I could alert the psychological community of the type of shit you said. 
like when you said that you could manipulate me into liking you and thinking I wanted control, well, you fucking failed at that. I see you for the broken, self-hating little pillow biter that you are. Pillow biter? Yeah, who I've never heard. I had to fucking boog it. And I hope that you have the life you deserve. So (laughs) I will tell you, this was just fan. I was like, I don't even know what to say. You know, and then when I went to respond, she blocked me. <laughs> Fortunately, I have a secret account. <laughs> of course you do, Lindsay. I have, well, I have a secret account so that I, because there's this crazy man in our community that blocked me long ago. <laughs> and every time he posts something, people will like be like, oh, my God, did you see? And I'm like, no, I didn't see. <laughs> So now I have a secret account so I can see what he's anyway. So I sent my response to her from the secret account, but I had to Google pillow fighter. Okay. So let's take some guess. What do you think it means? Someone who's like so nervous and anxious and yeah. just needs to grab the pillow at night and can't sleep. What's a pillow drooler? Cause that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, it's, Incorrect. Sharon, your turn. I'll be um, points for correct answers. I mean, I'm with Alice on this one. I thought it was no. somebody who's just like a little like neurotic mess. <laughs> so the funny thing is that oh would God. be totally accurate. <laughs> I mean, if she said that, I would have been like, I would have given her a third point for that response because yeah. fantastic. I am impressed with you. No, it's actually a gay slur. No. Oh. That's even like low, like she hit your kids, your mom, now yeah, the gay community, the really. But it's yeah. a gay male slur. So that's, you know, it was very confusing. Yeah, I was impressed with that. I do like booze hound points for use of that word, which has not been used since like the 40s. Yeah. I was very impressed. And this is why girls, women suck. This is my- No, she does not represent women. And if you think that that's going to hold women back, you can't think that. You can't. I mean, it's like, what are we doing, Lindsay? We're getting powerful, badass women on this podcast. And it's, it's, this is what it's about. It's not about the, the chick on the end of the bell curve who's just, you know, Fans crazy. And, and, and first of all, look at, I mean, aside from the capital U. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am a, gra- I'm a writer and I am a grammar issue. So. Grammar snob. Grammar um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but ESL, I'm an ESL kid. I wouldn't even write U with mm-hmm. the letter U. Okay. It deserves. Oh, what would you write? Y-O-U. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. No, I thought you I thought you were like, I have another. I thought it was, I don't know what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Like a baby you? Maybe a Y O O. Y O O. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry, but the whole letter is just attacking you. Any yeah. dignified, empowered, strong, yeah. secured woman would not even Facebook message you. Exactly. So it would have been an issue between him and her not you and her also i mean literally i've seen this guy twice since high school not not at all for the last 13 years the last time we saw each other we were 21 22 it was before i met my husband so we're going back 18 years ago and yet i destroyed her marriage thank you very much it makes me wonder does she even write to the correct person <laughs> so did she address you by your name or are you just yeah, is you this, is this somebody else or did she like group blast 
25 different women on his Facebook list. Ooh, that's no. because I confirmed with him. Apparently, I was like I? a huge I, the letter was a huge, a huge issue in their marriage for some period of time. Wait, but this is getting a little bit weird now because was he infatuated with you? Yeah. I'm sorry, at now? this point, yeah. this is getting weird. No. It's just getting weird now. Wasn't I, I, I'm sorry. I think he's, I no, I don't think he was. I think he feels the same friendliness to me. I think she like isolated him like a um, uh, wife abuser, like, like a domestic violence, you know, perpetrator. I think she isolated him to the point where like, she apparently I wasn't the only friend that he had to unfriend on Facebook or stop speaking to. Apparently there were several of us, but I was the only woman, I believe. Yeah. Um, does he know about this? Yes, he does. Because I was like, uh, you know, like confused puppy dog head tilt. And I was like, I, I heard from your wife. And he's like, I can't imagine that went well. I was like, it, it really uh, did not I guess and I yeah. you know and eventually he asked and I did send it to him and I sent him what my reply was going to be and then he said do you want me to make sure she gets it and I was like I fuck no I actually don't want you to be involved nor do I want to be involved yeah. in this. no there's no point with somebody this kind um, of far gone there's right no point. it was yeah. Did you res so you responded? I right? responded. I did. I'm looking for it because I do think it's worth. Wait, did you tell Scott? That did not go well. Okay. That I did not go well. So. I did right. tell Scott and it did not go well. Mm. He um Scott was upset. Yes. Scott, my husband, actually he was upset that I wasn't more upset with her. My, you know, because none of it is true except the petty booze hound. Right, that's true. That's <laughs> totally true. That's true. No, I'm not a gay man, so the pillow biting is confusing. Uh, yeah, I did tell him he was really not happy, and he was unhappy that I wasn't angrier at my high school friends. The, the guy. Yes, he felt like he had betrayed me with several uh, of these things because I do have an issue with my mother, and she knew where to, you know, nail me in the groin. Oh, so that and so that and then I think the petty booze hound he was like well how'd she know that I'm yeah, like yeah that's true I have to agree with Scott mm -hmm. yeah. she knew a little too much about you yeah I agree I agree but also they were married for 13 years mm -hmm. you know and you know apparently it's been <laughs> I don't fucking know I listen I ended up agreeing siding with him and you know he was like you should be angry you should unfriend well I was like, well, that's just like literally we're just doing a total, you know, like circular circular yeah. ending on this one. Then. Yeah. But just be on guard. Just now, you know, that, you know, he did betray her trust because she knew too much. So just be on guard. It doesn't mean you can't be friends. You don't have to unfriend, but just have your guard up. Listen, oh, I told him, <laughs> fuck you, man. <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Hold on. There are no dot. Oh, there is one. I'm uh, sorry. Okay. Good morning, and can I just say, wow? I mean, really. Good morning. Good morning. This was a lot to wake up to, especially considering it involved a long-lost friend and his wife, who I did, in fact, try to make like me, and yet, for reasons I've never understood, hated me from the start. 
and that uh sorry i'm skipping over a part because it's uh we had uh, i mentioned that i had had a really long crappy day yesterday because i had been working with several suicidal patients and then this morning i woke up to your message listen i can tell how much you are hurting by how much you have tried to hurt me by what you wrote you made excellent choices, by the way, in comparing me to my mother and denigrating me as a wife, mom, and psychologist. Parentheses, I would have chosen different diction than booze hound and pillow biter, though. The former is very film noir-esque, although I have to say, pause, I have come to really like the, the phrase booze hound. The more we, petty booze hound, the more we say it, the more it's really. It's growing on me, too. Right? I know. You could just call I think that should be like my new name, Petty Little Booze Hound. Your little nickname. <laughs> oh, you Betty Little Booze oh, Hound. So cute. <laughs> adorable. <laughs> so I said the former is very film noir-esque, and the latter, I actually had to Google exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool to learn a new word, although I'm hesitant to incorporate a new word that is yet another homosexual slight into my vocabulary. Hope you understand. End parentheses. The truth is, I have never understood in the past and still now today remain confused as to what I have done to hurt you and or make you hurt me this much. I am sorry. And I am sorry if I ever did something that brought trouble in your life or your marriage, although it seems unlikely, but I'm sure there were times I shared my opinion and it conflicted with yours, but it was never my intention to hurt you. It was never my intention to hurt your relationship. I was sorry to hear about your separation because it sucks to lose someone that you once loved, and I wouldn't want that for anyone. I am sorry you are hurting now, and I hope things get better for you. I really do. I'll say it again. If I've hurt you in the past, I apologize. I would ask for your forgiveness, but dot, dot, dot. Judging by the general gist of this message, I'm guessing you would refuse. By the way, just as an aside, it's a lot to tell someone, quote, I hope you have the life you deserve. We all get through shit. We all get dealt shit in life, sometimes really bad shit. And I'm not sure anyone ever, quote, deserves to feel awful or broke. It was pretty good until that point. And that was my response. Wow, bravo. How classy and eloquent. I love it. See, I can be classy sometimes, damn it. I was very impressed with your response. And you you are too. On Facebook, especially, I have to say. I'm very classy on Facebook. Very. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I mean, off Facebook, whatever, but mm-hmm. I, I'm like the patroller of trying to make people be nice. Um, sure. Well, we need one. Uh, so number eight is, uh, it actually happened uh, before we podcast. Sometimes we'll meet with people for like 15 minutes, you know, quick meet and greet, see how it works. And um I um, was talking to Josie of, um, she has a podcast, uh, You Can Do Better Bitch, and online she is a nutrition-ish person, um, and she goes by um, uh, Josie Quits Cake. Um, And so I was talking to her and we were trying to figure out what angle of her story would be the most interesting to tell. And um, just to tell you a bit about Josie, um, she uh, was one of four black students in Missouri. She's also biracial. Um, as a ch- she happened to mention in passing a story with, uh, that when she was a child, um, she had a goat named Johnny that was killed by a hunter who mistook him for a deer. Um, she... 
uh, grew up in um, a religious environment that was so extreme that it was basically a cult that she escaped from by marrying a man at 19. She had only met him, you know, a few months ago, whatnot. Um, he turned out to be physically abusive. And then she eventually left him. Her second husband turned out to be emotionally abusive. Um, if you want to hear the entire episode, it's really interesting. It's from season two called Domestic, it's episode 13, Domestic Violence Needs to Stop. And then I asked her, as I often do, if um, if there was anything off limits. And mind you, she just told me like 6,000 horrendous things. And, um, and so I said, you know, in anticipation of our recording, I just want to know if there's anything off limits. And she says, well, my husband's amputation is really his story to tell, her current husband. Mm -hmm. So I, I try not to talk about that. And I mm -hmm. broke into hysterical fucking laughter because like, <laughs> how the hell? And like, I know it's not technically on the pod, but it, like this whole idea of the top 10 was inspired by that moment because like, I just started laughing hysterically and awkwardly because what, I mean, how, how, I don't know how I was supposed to know. And I, I don't know why I would ask, why would I ask with all this stuff she's been through? I'm going to ask her. I was more likely to ask about Johnny the goat than about, um, her husband's amputee story. So, um, so that was my, uh, number eight. That's hilarious. Yes. I missed a good one. Um, you're up next for number seven. Okay, I will get <laughs> Oh, I'm so prepared, Lindsay. I'm so prepared. I just wanted your presence. I, I know, it. I really, we need it. Um, we need our time together, and I keep clicking on the wrong Lindsay email. Okay, number seven. Oh, yeah, ooh. Want to be happy? Be uncomfortable. This was one of our most listened to episodes yeah I it was it was really probably one of my favorite 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 episodes because I think it's a topic that you just don't um no one thinks about and no one talks about and it's so in my mind integral to reaching a state of maybe not happiness but peace um and it's being unhappy, being uncomfortable. I see it a lot in emotional eating. And I see a lot of emotional eating stemming from an inability to deal with our emotions, which stems from childhood because we are not taught that part of life is being uncomfortable or being unhappy. Um, and that it's okay that, it, that emotions come and go we somehow think that we are entitled to happiness. Like, why shouldn't we be? Um, well, Sharon and I were talking about this topic and, um, you know, we spoke a lot about anxiety last week and I, we mentioned pushing outside the comfort zone, but it also has to do with like everything else in the world. Yes. So my take on it is that 
we are extremely fucking entitled as a culture. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, let's, let's start with like the sociocultural berating the shit out of all of us. Well, yeah, because it just seems like everyone feels like they're entitled to be really comfortable all the time and to be happy. Like it's almost like a given right when you're born. It's like you will always be comfortable and happy. But in fact, who says? I don't know if I'm going to go with the right when you're born, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I just sen- sense a sense of... Sense a sense of entitlement. Um, Good. Can you give us an example? An example is just when people are unhappy, they complain a lot. And I feel like the complaining is because they don't think they deserve to be unhappy, where in fact, unhappiness often stems from choices that we make or a mindset that we choose to have. And being unhappy usually forces us to or hopefully, if we're not complaining about it, forces us to examine the situation and examine our choices and learn from them so that they're not repeated, so that you actually evolve and you grow rather than just complain and think that you deserve everything. No one deserves anything. Um, I have this issue with, uh, I have a patient I've been seeing for a long time, and she went through a breakup, some time ago over a year ago and similarly she sort of she was unhappy with her job and then she ended up being let go anyway and her statement is I don't understand I'm a good girl I did all the right things and yet um the and yet being I don't have a boyfriend and I don't currently have a job and there's this sense of if I do the right thing I will be rewarded. Do you think this is from um, parenting and growing up? Because I know my kids often say that's not fair and I'll be very quick to remind them that they are owed nothing in life, that life doesn't function on a fairness scale really. Like, <laughs> Yes is rarely, continue. <laughs> um, well, it's true though. Yeah. But it, it's true and I, and I say like you know, things happen sometimes and there's no rhyme or reason, but you have to do what you know is the right thing. That's the only thing that you can control is doing what you know is right. And sometimes you get screwed over. Yeah. That's something I'm really trying to like pump into their head with like, how you say in Hebrew, like a pompa, like a what plunger. Like a pompa? Pompa. Pompa. Like a pump. I like a better pompa. I like a pompa better too. Okay. A pompa. A pompa. I'm going to use that with my children. Actually, I'm going to forget it, call you in two hours and go, what's that word? Yeah. Um, and then I'll be like, what are you talking about? Exactly. We'll get really mad at each other. <laughs> That's true. Embarrassed aspect is uh, different culturally, as in we feel more entitled because our guilt is our internal feeling and we can do things to distract from our internal feeling of guilt. You know, um, we accuse other people of causing our unhappiness. That's exactly. one thing that we do to distract ourselves. Right. Or I ate too much. I'm going to go to the gym for four hours. Right. That's a distraction, especially if you like to go to the gym. Forget about me liking to go to the gym, bitch. That's not what we're talking about. The point is, or, you know, like I forgot to buy you. A, I forgot to wish you happy birthday. So I'm going to buy you the greatest birthday present ever. Right. We find a way to try to compensate for our actions so mm-hmm. that. I think the Western civilization, Western culture is more like a scale, a balancing scale. Well, nobody wants to examine their own behavior because there's always that chance that you go, oh, right. Like I didn't really make the best choice there and I'm in this mess because of me. And that's like the crappiest feeling. And we like, who wants to feel that unless you're someone who's really committed to being like, 
I want to grow. I want to evolve, no matter how painful and uncomfortable it is. I think that's a reaction formation, a doing the opposite of how you feel. And I think that's an, a try, like I think even that is trying to undo. Like I want to grow. I want to. It's sort of saying I fucked up, but I'm going to learn from this. Yeah, I mean, I, it's positive, but it's still an opposite action. I think intended to excuse yourself for your past. So what are you supposed to do then? I think that's the best thing you can yeah, do. Yeah, that's what I was gonna but say. But I think you have to be aware <laughs> of why you're doing it. Okay, I mean, I still think it's fine because it's like you're either going because Tom Campbell says so. <laughs> You did not think I was funny. <laughs> I don't think you're funny, Lindsay. No, I'm convinced that when I heard that and I heard your reaction, I was convinced that that's one of the reasons you left. I was like, no, stop. It is funny though, because you can hear the irritation in your voice sometimes with me because I had to listen to these episodes and pick out parts. And so I was like, oh, why didn't I pick up on the social cues? <laughs> So, you know, I guess the best, I guess I, I still am struggling with the, uh, you know, being more aware and being uncomfortable and entitlements and whatnot. Um, uh, top 10 moment number six was with my boyfriend, Cody Taggart. Um, I loved Cody. <laughs> I love Cody. My boyfriend. Let me tell you something. Cody actually donated stuff um, for the book release. Uh -huh. And um, when I reached out to him, I, I was so very inappropriate. <laughs> I said, uh, let me see if I can find my conversation just because it's funny. I said, um, I feel like I kind of like harassed him a little bit. Oh, we have, oh you'll hear. We harassed him. made him feel uncomfortable. Like we oh, I think we did. <laughs> It's like the reverse, like, sexism, where we're like, hey, hot stuff. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, but that's okay, because I continue to do it. So, um, I said, um, so any chance you will, this was in February, so any chance you will donate an autographed pic of your hot self or a piece of merch for the 10 Steps and the Stigma raffle? Warning, regardless of your answer, old awkward lady crush won't change. He's, so she, he says, haha, whatever you want, girl, you name it, I'll send it. We discussed this and I thanked him and then um, it didn't come. And so uh, March 17th, I said, hey, boyfriend, did you forget about me? <laughs> he didn't get this, this and whatever. He ended up sending it. You in. know what? You could have asked him for a dick mold. So it could have been. <laughs> Is that a real thing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I it is in the movies, so why what not? What movies have you been watching? <laughs> Long quarantine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's we should be watching porn in quarantine or dick molding. I don't know. I'm gonna goog that later. I, I feel like I saw. I must have seen some reference to it somewhere because my brain. I don't think I'm that genius that I come up with like a new activity. I think I might have read a um, what's written porn called an erotica story about that. Yeah, dick molding. Yeah. Okay. I to, now I have to find the, the erotica. It's like the paper mache, like you know how. Um, so I we've been watching a lot of Ninety Day Fiance before the Ninety Day. Yeah. So you know the Australian lesbian couple and. No, but someone does, yeah. Yeah. 
and they went to like a boob molding activity together and one of them's like very uncomfortable with that type of thing so um, maybe my brain just went well if they do paper machés of your boobs i'm sure they do paper machés of dicks or you have a dick molding of your husband's dick i definitely do not (laughs) (laughs) all right Here, here is us making cody uncomfortable And it's, by the way, it's us making Cody uncomfortable while also discussing suicide. But, um, so it's even worse. But I have to tell you why this one made it in. Um, not only because we both want to, um, make a dick mold or whatever. Um, not only because we both adore him, but also because, um, there's a moment in it as I'm trying to speak and like, I'm trying to discuss a suicide that occurred. And it was like, I, I, I felt like I needed the energy power support of the two of you to, um, to do so. Um, and it was a moment that really stuck with me. And so, um, I really needed to include it because it's, because now I'm all about talking about it and destigmatizing and all those things. But at the time, this was the first time I really, um, uh, I really gave, I don't know, at the time it felt, I felt weak uh, and it felt like I needed support and I felt like I got that from you guys. So um, here's an odd, you know, mix of us hitting on Cody and um, me feeling strong enough to discuss suicide. Oh, and it's episode 21, season one. He has quite the story to share. And what I love about this episode is that, yes, we discussed suicide, which is definitely in the shit not often talked about category, as well as just feeling hopeless in general and how to shift your mindset when you are in that headspace. That's something we can all relate to. Don't forget to check out Cody on his Instagram page at Cody underscore Taggart and his website, CodyTaggart.com. What up, motherfuckers? Woo! Nice. Hi, Cody. Hi there. How are you? We're good. Good. So freaking excited to have you on. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. I'm excited too. Let's do this. I know. Lindsay and I can't tell who's more excited because we don't want to fight me. about that. We don't want to fight about it. We don't want to make it awkward. I am most excited to do this. It should be you. We're like your two passions rolled into one podcast. (gasps) That should be the title. Oh, yeah. We just figured it out. Shit. Nice. Just. Yes. Good. And part of the reason I want to ask questions is to normalize talking about it, um, Mm -hmm. as we discuss. And also, as I have referenced and as I've spoken to both of you about part of the reason I really wanted you to come on. Yes, you're awesome. And he's pretty cute too, by the way, guys. I was going to say that, but then I'm like, are we being like I'm crushing a little. It's fine. Like we can't, is this like like sexual harassment? So I'm old. So I've decided that I'm old enough now that I can say anything to anyone I want (laughs) and it's not hitting on them. It's just being like, oh, that funny old woman. So he's super adorable and I'm old enough that it's not weird. that's Thank you. Distinction. I appreciate it. Of course. And I'll just keep quiet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shut it, baby. Uh, you know, um, at the beginning of the school year, we are we live in a small town, and we it gets smaller every day sometimes. And 
there was a, was that a face? No, I was just like, I was thinking in my head, you make a sound like we live in rural Kansas. We don't live in Kansas. I know, I'm just saying, like when you say small town, I think of like when, you know, like 200 people and they all know each other and maybe this is small. I don't know. It feels pretty small. It's certainly um, rural. I had to think of that word. Rural? It's not urban. It's a suburb. It's a suburb. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's agree on that. <laughs> Woo. All right. Noted. It's a suburb. Uh, it's a suburb. And so we, you know, all, we, this, you're right. I'm spending an extreme amount of time describing it. I think in part because it's difficult to talk about mm-hmm. what happened and also it's right. necessary. So there was a child who took his life. And even now, uh, I'm a mental health professional and I'm struggling to say it because there, it, it's hard. And also I think we were sort of as a community advised to refer to it as a tragic accident. And the, my issue with that that I've been pretty outspoken with is that's a, that's a disservice to the children. I mean, this, you know, the, the children, the teenagers, like he was in high school, he was 15 and it's not, I'm not, it's not my business to speculate the reasons, nor will I pretend that anyone has any idea, but uh, ultimately these other kids now are missing the ability to talk to adults at the, you know, at the high school and whatnot, because the adults are advised that they can't refer to it that way. And I think that that's furthering the shame, furthering shame, furthering stigma. It's, you know, I mean, if you broke a leg, you'd say it. If you died of cancer, you'd say it. And yet here we are repeating the cycle. And um, as a result, you know, listen, I'm seeing a lot of teenagers that are, you know, um, are struggling with thoughts, even thoughts that won't result in actions. And I feel like I'm literally drawing on the strength of the two of you to speak. So I'm sorry I'm being so awkward because I, I do feel conflicted and I feel bad. The mom and the mental professional in me says, we have to talk about this mm-hmm. difference between feelings and actions. And yet I'm also a parent and I know that, you know, this kid's family must be suffering terribly. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you, Cody, you coming you know, on to sort of help me flesh through us. And Sharon, I do appreciate you agreeing to discuss this because, you know. I mean, it's not a question for, I I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so pro. I love Cody's feed so much on Instagram because he's one of the few people that I just see like just really getting rid of the stigma, talking about it, normalizing it, you know, acknowledging it, that this is part of, this is part of normal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the way I kind of talk about it is like depression, anxiety, like in mental health in general, like depression plays a trick on you, right? So depression plays this weird game it plays with you where it makes you feel like you're the only one dealing with it. Um, when really everybody, like majority of people are dealing with this shit. Sure. So because you, because depression's playing this trick on you, you feel like you're the only one that's dealing with it. You don't want to talk to other people about it. Right. And if you're not talking to other people about it, what will happen is it will just fester inside you, fester inside you. And then like worst case scenario, something bigger happens. Right. Right. So I think just talking about it is the and, uh, and I struggle. I don't want to use the word easiest way to kind of eliminate the stigma, but I think it's the most 
effective way that literally everybody can do. You don't have to go out and like start to like the love myself campaign or something like I did or anything like that. But it's cool if you um, do. But but it is cool if you do. The my issue with that that I've been pretty outspoken with is that's a that's a disservice to the children. I mean, this you know the the children, the teenagers. Like he was in high school, he was fifteen, and. It's not, I'm not, it's not my business to speculate the reasons, nor will I pretend that anyone has any idea, but uh, ultimately these other kids now are missing the ability to talk to adults at the, you know, at the high school and whatnot, because the adults are advised that they can't refer to it that way. And I think that that's furthering the shame, furthering shame, furthering stigma. It's, you know... I mean, if you broke a leg, you'd say it. If you died of cancer, you'd say it. And yet, here we are repeating the cycle. And um, as a result, you know, I, listen, I'm seeing a lot of teenagers that are, you know, um, have, are struggling with thoughts, even at thoughts that won't result in actions. And I feel like I'm literally drawing on the strength of the two of you to speak. So I'm sorry I'm being so awkward because I, I do feel conflicted and I feel bad. The mom and the mental professional in me says, we have to talk about this mm -hmm. difference between feelings and actions. And yet muscle parents. And I know that, you know, this kid's family must be suffering terribly. So I appreciate you, Cody, you coming, you know, on to sort of help me flesh through us. And Sharon, I do appreciate you agreeing to discuss this because, you know, I mean, it's not a question for, I, I know. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm so pro. I love Cody's feed so much on Instagram because he's one of the few people that I just see like just really getting rid of the stigma talking about it, normalizing it, you know, acknowledging it, that this is part of, this is part of normal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the way I kind of talk about it is like depression, anxiety, like and mental health in general, like depression plays a trick on you, right? So depression has this weird game it plays with you where it makes you feel like you're the only one dealing with it. Um, when really everybody, like majority of people are dealing with this shit. Sure. Because if you, because depression's playing this trick on you, you feel like you're the only one that's dealing with it. You don't want to talk to other people about it. Right, and if you're not talking to other people about it, what will happen is it will just fester inside you, fester inside you, and then the like worst case scenario, something bigger happens. Right, right. So I think just talking about it is the and uh, and I struggle. I don't want to use the word easiest way to kind of eliminate the stigma, but I think it's the most effective way that literally everybody can do. You don't have to go out and like start like a love myself campaign or something like I did or anything. Like that. But it's cool if you uh, do. But but it is cool if you do. I thought that was cute. Uh, it, was, it was a great interview, and Cody's great. He is great, um, and you should definitely um, check him out. Uh, it's uh, Cody Taggart. But is there an underscore? Or am I making that up? I'm checking right now. He is, yeah, Cody underscore Taggart. T a g g a r t. Yeah, that was what I was gonna say because I always. I always spell it wrong the first time, but check out my boyfriend. Um, so uh, number five is uh, an episode from season two. So I don't even, well, I, I was going to say, I don't even know if you were aware of this. Um, are you having trouble hearing me? No, I was just looking at episode five. No, I was, 
I think I was semi-aware of this. Okay. So um, I basically interviewed, I didn't basically, I did. Um, I interviewed a woman whose daughter died from, her daughter's name was Isabella, and her daughter died from um, uh, a chromosomal um, disease, um, Christina, uh, her name is Christina uh, Reisinger, and she found out that her daughter had this while she was pregnant, but um, she, first of all, is very religious, and um, second of all, you know, she, her point was that she had already fallen in love with the baby before it was born, and so she chose to have the baby, and Isabella died um, uh, four years ago on December 17th. Yes. It does sort of bring me back to the whole God purpose thing, but, um, but I do think that things happen for a reason, and you could have let this destroy you and instead you you know the whole phoenix risen from the ashes but like i i don't really know all the symbolism involved there but basically like you rose up and you're gonna make you're gonna help other people the way either you were helped or the way you wish you were helped or you know you're gonna make a difference in other people's lives right and when i first started helping people um First of all, I want to say you keep bringing up the, the religion aspect. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that we are to ask for the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'm sure you're familiar with these types of uh, verses. No, I'm not. So oh, I appreciate not. the education. Nope. Okay. Yes, no. yes. So I cannot, you know, stress enough how much that, that verse is so true because as a human being, we can't understand death. We can't, I mean, we understand we're supposed to live and we're supposed to die, but we can't understand the pain that comes with that. You know, you have so much pain because you were given a gift of loving, Yeah. you know, but you have to receive that peace that surpasses all of our human understanding. Because if we didn't have that from God or, um, you know, we humanly are not able to understand why there's suffering. Right. why there is torture because it hurts us so badly okay so um that is that is something that i'm think a lot of people struggle for with and i think that if you look at some of these grief forums that are out there a lot of people will say hey i'm sorry for your loss you know they'll say i'm praying for you they will say you know we hope you have the peace that surpasses that understanding but this the thing I like to stress is that it does surpass a human understanding. Yeah. It is not something that we are capable of on our own. And I know that you're very big into um, how we move through things on our own. Yes, you do have to take action. You do have to make that choice. That is your responsibility. But we also have some help. Gordon Christina sent me her bio, and I was surprised by the – there was a lot of um, – I know, I know I'm looking for like a word, religion, um, mm -hmm. God, it's the child of God, Jesus. And I, and I said to her, do you mind if I ask you questions about that? And I, um, and maybe push it a little, but only because I, I think anything extreme is, is bad, you know, like an extreme would be someone sitting in their home doing nothing, you mm -hmm. know, just praying for God to make things better. Like literally I'm talking about like a, 
I don't know, like pray, like praying for the lottery or something, you know, mm-hmm. that's right. the extreme. But I also don't think we're alone. And I think there's something out there, um, whether we call it God, uh, universe, spirits, purpose, I, I don't know. I also believe that anything that appears across time and space, like culture, you know, like cross-culturally, no matter what time it is, like humans have always believed in in something and anything that, you know, we'd call it an archetype in um, psychology with like a hero or the, you know, um, villain. I think there's got to be, like, I, I kind of believe lavender must do something to relax you because everyone across culturally, you know, like <laughs> believes in it. And so similarly, I believe there there has to be something else out there. Um, and I also believe we have to embrace it, accept it, let it into our lives, learn from it, but also do things ourselves. It's interesting, it's the same thing across, whether it be a religious aspect, uh, like academic psycholo- psychology, like cognitive behavioral therapy, like what, it's all the same. We're just using different, I guess I would say different words but again, that feels a little sacrilegious. But my, but I think, I think it's the same thing. Like underlying, the same way most religions believe in this, something very similar, but we don't want to admit it. Instead, we'd rather fight, and that's like a caveman thing. So, you know, we're we're talking about the same thing, which is the need for hope and mm-hmm. um, and whatnot. And so, I, I am fortunate that you have these this ability to pass this hope on to your. Um, you know, that you're the people that you work with and in your podcast. So I have to blow my nose because I'm so happy, sad by our conversation. Um, Will, can you tell us where people can find you? Yes, um, I am on Facebook. I have a group called Mind, Body, Soul Wellness. And uh, of course, uh, Christina Reisinger page. I'm on Instagram. And then I have a website, ChristinaReisinger.com. And, and on YouTube. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. See, see, had I known that, we would have videoed this so you could put it up because I don't know what to do about YouTube. So <laughs> that's like my last obstacle or something. Um, and on December so this marks the third anniversary of her of, of Isabella's passing, death. Mm-hmm. I'm working yeah. on it. And um, on December seventeenth, you will be launching your podcast called Life, Faith, and Hope. Yes. Um, and I also will be airing this episode on uh, December 17th, also in, well, in honor of, of you and what you went through, and of Isabella, and of my goddamn tears. I'm supposed to be sweary and sarcastic. You ruined goddamn tears. I'm supposed to be sweary and sarcastic. You ru- okay, so here's the story. Um... I cried that whole fucking episode. Like I literally interviewed her and repeatedly kept crying. Um, Cause the story was touching and cause I'm a mom and cause I felt for her. She's now a grief counselor and she helps others and sh- she is an amazing woman. But so three days after we record, I get a text from her and she, it's basically says, listen, I wondered if, um, oh no, actually, I'm sorry. I, she asked if we could, if she could pick my brain on something technical, like as though I knew anything, but I said yes. And so, um, uh, she called me and she asked me questions that I of course had no idea what the answers were. And then, um, she said, listen, um, I was wondering if you ever 
uh, edit, like edit things out. And I said, well, I said, is there something that you said that you don't want to, you know, cause I, I really didn't want to tell her that I didn't, ed- I don't know how to edit. And like, <laughs> you, you know, and it was like, uh, I, for, I, I mean, I guess we were, I think I was doing it on my own. I think I had finally started doing it on my own at that point, whatever the fuck it was. I don't know how to edit shit out. Now I do. But, um, I, I was based, so I said, um, I, you know, I asked her why and she said, well, I think we had a, a great conversation and we learned a lot from each other. But, um, at the very end, you said, um, goddamn tears and goddamn is the worst word, which I did not realize. I know that I say it as like, um, cause I remember I used to listen to Kathy Griffin a lot back when you know she wasn't this controversial uh person she was just a funny person on my life d-list whatever and she wrote funny books yeah and her mom who's like very religious i think is always saying like god damn da, 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 da. so i didn't think that it, that was like and i use it too and i and i think i like turn people off just because i think it, it sounds funny <laughs> i think it sounds funny too and also i was really uncomfortable about the fact that i was crying you know yeah so, anyways christina proceeds to tell me that she actually um because of that she cannot promote the episode on her end and um uh <laughs> i yeah and so we got off the phone and i gave myself a few days and then i wrote back to her and i said like i I just need you to know, like, I'm, I think that we had such a moving, important, you know, yeah. thing here. And instead, you know, over one word, this is what happens. And um, she wrote me back. P.S. We are actually now very good friends. And um, uh, it was a, a it was a, a significant moment. So I was very impressed. Um, and still a little bit confused but uh anyways um and that's why it's on my list um so number four sharon okay number four um that was the not the worst mom right yes uh so i am the world's biggest fangirl when i like someone and think they're brilliant and funny and smart i lose my shit (laughs) do not handle my composure so love not the worst mom I think she's so funny and so cool and I guess we talked about why can't babies come out of any other hole I don't remember this that's fine that's okay I'll play the clip okay so excited that you're here thank you we uh, we adore you Sharon adores you and just as we were before we started, she was liking every photo of yours. So apologies in advance for Sharon stalking. No, I love being stalked. I Stalk fangirl away. hard. Like when I like people, I really like them. Like probably to a psychotic degree. <laughs> Fine with it. Okay, cool. Fine with it. I don't think you should be. I think you should be a little freaked out. So um, <laughs> before we officially started the episode, we discussed, you know, we all have weird digits and... Mm-hmm. Um, uh well we're all just sort of weird people but um we so our listeners will obviously know you as not the worst mom from instagram the word that i could not remember earlier and now you are here with us and you also have a new podcast yes i do we launched our podcast um in in july 
and not the worst marriage. And it's very good. I listened to two episodes today. I have, I have not yet gotten to the, what I just heard was the big episode though, but that's next. And I'm excited about that. But I heard that you're a witch who doesn't believe in hospital births. Just kidding. Yes. Yeah. I'm a Wiccan. (laughs) Um, I summoned my children through will power. (laughs) Did they, did they? And so from what I understand, they no longer come out of the vagina, right? They come out of the ear when you do that. Yes. Um, and then they're smaller and then they get bigger. You kind of hydrate them, like put them in water. <gasps> like those unicorn thingies? Exactly, just... like the unicorn thing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And I there, wish... It's a ceremony. There's candles. There's some chicken hearts. Um, I just, but it was a really yeah. nice experience. I wish someone had told me that was an option. I probably would have done that. Cause... I think we'd all do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Who the fuck wants to like push a kid out of your vagina? I did not. I was just, I got a zipper and like, let's, let's birth it through the ear and put it in that water to sponge up any day. Really? Put it in any other hole. Yeah. And pick one. I have others. I don't, you know. (laughs) Um, She was very funny. She was very funny. Um, uh, What's a decision? I have to run. All right. Well, I love you. Look at you leaving me again. I love you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, I know you just did the web. Can you tell people, just give yourself a little self promo. I'm so bad at this. Um, Sharon just did a webinar on emotional eating. Yes. All of the month of May, I'm working with Shape of Health. They make a scale that I'm ecstatic about because Oh, I don't have a pitch, but there is never a scale that I am ever going to be ecstatic about. How about one that doesn't show you your weight? Yes. That's okay. It. All right. So it doesn't show you your weight, but it shows you a color and the color tells you how you're trending, which is the only important piece of information that you need to know because your day-to-day weight, it's a water fluctuation. So it doesn't matter. You have to track that over time and look at the trend. So it cuts that middle step out for you. I want this scale. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I actually reached out to them and I was like, your product's amazing. How can I get involved? And they're like, oh, you want to do a webinar series for May? And I was like, yes. And um, I, the first one was on managing physical hunger. Got really great feedback, which I was so happy about. And Last week was about emotional hunger, also very helpful. And then um, this coming week, we'll be doing my favorite kitchen staples, like easy things that you can have in your kitchen to put together fast because I'm a nutritionist who does not cook. And um, then the last week will be all about resiliency. So I'm, I'm stoked. Um, you can find these recordings either on my Instagram at Sapir Nutrition or their Facebook page, Shape at Health. But it's a cool product, Lindsay. I don't like get excited about a lot of things. Well, I'm excited about- You get people. excited about everything. And no, you no, get fucking not, excited about everything. Okay, people, but not necessarily things with nutrition. Like I'm very skeptical of most things in the diet world. That's why I do my fart times. Yeah. I should kind of explain what that is. Food review Thursday. No, it's better when you just say farts. All right. I love you. Bye. Love Thank you. Too. you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. All right. So I'm doing the rest, but uh, let's see. Uh, yes. Uh, number three, uh, you have to understand why this was such a big deal. And it, 
Dr. Tina Bryson is the author of The Whole Brain Child, and her new uh, book, The Power of Showing Up, was coming out. And we had had Carla Nomberg, Dr. Carla Nomberg, on our show to talk about um, uh, her book. And so I really, really wanted to start having more uh, more authors on, you know, on the, the pod. And um, I can't remember the name of Carla's book and it's amazing. Um, it's called, well, you're going to have to trust me. The book's amazing. Um, but I'll remember the name soon. So uh, I reached out to this, uh, this, uh, this woman, Dr. Tina Bryson. Okay. Carla Nomberg's book is called how to stop losing your shit with your kids. And trust me, you need this in particular now during Corona. So, um, I reached out to Dr. Bryson, uh, and I was automatically connected to her assistant and her assistant basically gave me this like, um, you know, she usually works with like ABC or CBS, you know, whatever, um, and started listing all of the uh, platforms that she, that Dr. Bryson had done interviews on. And I set, forwarded this to Sharon and Sharon was like, oh, forget it. They're not interested. And I was like, fuck that. Balls to the wall here. Like, I also looked up her assistant and her assistant was like 26. And I think that the job or the, 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 the her previous job was like working at subway or something um and so i was like i am not getting intimidated so um after several emails back and forth and a very hard press we got dr bryson on the show and then i did what i usually do which is i kind of stuck my foot in my mouth which come to think about it uh i guess that's probably topic of several of these top tens. Well, I am excited as well. And uh, initially, I think Sharon and I were both, so we thought it was going to be about something else. We read the description, but we thought, I'm like a, a PTA mom to my detriment. And Sharon is so much more of like, nope, fuck that. Don't have time for that. <laughs> there for her kids. It's, when it's, she it's more like I don't want to allot my time to that. It's not that I don't have time to for that. I just don't think it's important. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I um, probably for deep-seated psychological issues relating to my own childhood, uh, you know, I feel like I have to do everything, including this shit. Um, and so we were, you know, we thought it would be a great discussion. And then when we got the book and read it, I was even more geeked out because it's really based on attachment theory and... Yep. I was trying to come up with an analogy and um, for like attachment theory and grad school. And I came up with two. Uh, one is it's sort of like when you're in your first year of medical school and if, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. And the second, which my husband really didn't think I should say, but he doesn't listen, so I'm going to say it, <laughs> was like, it's kind of like the hand job of grad school, of your first year of grad school, where like it's, 
it's all you know and what, and you see it everywhere and it's like uh well you don't see hand jobs everywhere but like it's such, <laughs> I you don't know, know where you went to school yeah <laughs> uh, well uh Georgetown and then CW Post go figure okay. uh, but you know it's like this easy logical complicated and yet complex um understanding of the mother child relationship and essentially that it's it's got it's got to be it should have been match.com slogan it's like it's got to be a match uh yes i did in fact compare attachment theory uh to hand jobs in an interview with one of the uh current greatest experts on attachment theory but she laughed so points for us um number two Oh, and I wish Sharon were still with us. Um, but, uh, you know, she, um, <laughs> uh, number two, uh, I'm just going to play the clip, but let me just say, um, this is from the same episode as the, um, Alice, episode with uh, MomCom MIC, the one where I uh, got sent that disastrous email and then responded like the lady that I am. Um, however, apparently I'm only a lady up until a certain time of night and then I forget how to be a lady and get a little drunk. And that is exactly what happened. I had a, a drink or two-ish and I had a thought earlier in the day, we were, so I've been talking a lot lately about mental health and suicide awareness and yada yada, and my son had a, don't worry, Alice, this will lighten up, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I, my son had mentioned to me that he has some quiz on Friday for a health class, and I took it out to go over it like the good mom I am, and so I could have a drink later in the night, and so it was this pyramid of health, it's social, behavioral, mental, and I was like, holy shit, they've basically got a screening here for like depression that these kids are filling out oh. in class. We should be using that. And so I, you know, uh, fast forward three hours after a drink or eight, and I decide to email his guidance counselor. Young guy, I think he's young. I don't know. He's got a three year old son, so that qualifies him as young. He's probably book. 54, but okay. <laughs> he's not 54. Nice, you know, smart, whatever. I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> but so I was at work today waiting to, for a patient to come in, and I get the call, a call from the middle school, and I answer the phone. As soon as I see a, a, hear a man's voice, I know who it is because there's only two men that work there, I feel like. And so he's like, So I got your email, and I didn't really understand it. I was like, oh, he goes, did you um, read it, like, after you sent it? I was like, no, I did not. Are you supposed to? I don't know, but I'm I guess when you're drunk it. emailing, you're supposed to. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't even do it when I'm sober. I oh. prefer cocktails and computers. Thank you. That's how we'll refer to it from here on in. So, yeah, it went poorly. What am I doing? Yes. You're, yeah, don't keep moving that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah you're pretty annoying so anyways that was my conversation about uh, with uh him and it went very well and he was very receptive to finding out what this is and i had to admit that i was upset last night when i emailed him because we all know that hysteria in women is a good cover for all flaws and it was better that than drunk so 
Yeah. Yeah. So now I don't want to go back and read it. Anyways. Are you sure you don't want to read it to us? I, yeah, I kind of want to hear yeah. it now. <laughs> I kind of do too. Okay. Fine. I actually have a, a, another email that I was looking forward to finding a way to move into our conversation. And I think we will have to. So let me go to my sent mail on AOL. <laughs> I said, right. So I, sh <laughs> I should say that earlier in the day or the day before Hunter had asked me to take a picture of his, Hunter's my son, of his, some masks that he's been making. Okay. And so I did, and he wrote back, you look, oh, he looks so happy. And so my email to him 24 hours later, 20, 30 hours later starts with, he is, I thought he was, I think he is. <laughs> oh God, we, I know. We were studying for the health test slash quiz he has on Friday, social slash mental slash physical. Hunter didn't do fantastic, but he knew it. So dot, 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 possibly less valid, parentheses, to shrink parents. But theoretically, you have a screening right there for kids who may be suffering now or in the future. Maybe if the teacher walked around a bit slowly to make sure, <laughs> to make sure each student completed the assignment and had a cutoff number in mind, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. What's all the dot, dot, dots? Were you like trying to make it as suspenseful as possible? You wanted him on the edge of his seat? Sorry, I had to throw it out there. Thanks again. He adores you. Exclamation mark. <laughs> yes, you sounded legit crazy. <laughs> oh my God, I needed that laugh so much. Aw. Yes, I I don't know if he um I still adore the guidance counselor. Um and I sort of feel like he would he would laugh, um, but I haven't, I haven't had the nerves yet to like actually send him the link. I've just told him that I have a podcast. So um, I think a part of me was hoping he would, you know, somehow put it together and check it out. Um, and then again, it's probably best that he did not because then I can't ever speak to him again. Uh, although then he would know I'm not, crazy. I'm just a, well, a booze hound, petty little booze hound. Uh, the number one, if you're still listening, thank you, because I know this went longer than, well, certainly longer than I expected. Um, this was a uh, conversation with Eloise of uh, the Dharma Life Academy, and she is wonderful and um, brilliant and we were having a conversation about um uh her mother's suicide attempt and it is something that she and i have in common um and um this was season two it was episode uh 10 uh and it's titled my mom tried to kill herself sometimes your mess is your message and she said something to me that was so poignant and powerful and really made me rethink so many things. Um, that, that, that's why this was my favorite moment of, of, the, of the year. 
by the way, I am a proponent of medication because I have seen it um, work. I'm, it's not, I am a proponent because I think it works and, you know, um, which, but I don't think it's, it's mutually exclusive from this emptying out that you're talking about. I asked you um, if she had attempted again because I had a real reaction to her apologize when you were talking about how your mm. mom woke up apologizing. And I don't know if my reaction is like, um, it's a, a bunch of things. It's like sadness, it's anger, it's um, uh, maybe even a little jealousy or envy that, that you know, um, when my, the first time I found out that my mother had ever attempted suicide was, I was home from um, my fir our first year at uh, college, university, whatever. And it was the summer and, you know, we were struggling because it's a time of struggle because parents, you know, like you've been living alone and now you're at your, your parents' house. And um, we were in some argument about something stupid. And my mother said that um, she yelled at me that she tried to kill herself and it was all my fault. So, um, and there've been so many others since. So, that, and um, so I'm jealous, you know, you got an apology. Um, I, I, I got blamed. And then she actually did the same thing to my brother when he was exactly the same age like four years later that's how he found out as well so um and do you believe you choose your parents do i believe that you choose your parents oh god no do you mm. tell me what does that even mean <laughs> <laughs> well i believe that we as souls this is getting quite deep that's okay yeah as souls, we choose the parents that will give us the experience that we need to do the work or to have the experience that we need in the world. So if I can shift your perspective on this. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. If I can. So, so for me, I'll talk about me and see, and you can relate to this. So with my mom, we had this big history of mental health issues. And with my dad, we have alcoholism and a black and white thinking very this is right this is wrong okay now our generation i believe every generation of souls evolves and this generation our generation lindsay i think you're probably a bit younger than me but we've come in to clear a lot of the stuff and we've come in to make you know do, do a lot of the work so if you look at your parents um and you chose them because you chose them for the experience of what it is that you came into to work on that in this sense. lifetime and came into clear. So the thing, and this is where my work comes in, because if we get stuck in woe is me, and, and rightly so, if we've had a shitty upbringing, shitty parents, sure. you know, alcoholism, you name it, whatever, abuse, you know, it's so easy to get stuck in why me and why, wh why did this happen to me? Now, I take through people through a process in, the, in my Dharma Life Academy where we not only help them tap into their unique gift and who, who they are and really why they came, but, but we help them get into, especially where there's been childhood abuse or trauma, is how is your mess your message? How have you come oh, through? I like that, yeah. So with me, you know, when I started to kind of understand my, how I'd come up, you know, how, I'd, how I had um, contributed to my own mental health issues, you know, whether it be the drinking, but I, my way of thinking was very negative. I was always looking at myself about what was wrong with me, what was wrong with me. So when I started to understand all of this stuff, I started to also realize there was a massive opportunity for me to educate others 
So they didn't have to go through what I had gone through. And I saw how my parents were the perfect parents, actually, for what I needed to experience and what I needed to learn and how I could serve and help other people. Now, you have to go through quite a (laughs) bit. And, you know, now you look at yours like that, they have given you such an insight that that you and the brilliant thing about you Lindsay, is you're taking it out to the world and you're doing something with it well that's why it's interesting (laughs) like that's why i and again you gave me chills again um you know it is a good way to look at it i never i don't don't think i ever looked at it as um sort of woe is me or like why did i get stuck with this because but i did cling to the idea that you don't choose your parents you know and that friends are the family you choose for yourself I I thought that was extremely powerful both then and now and every time I think of it and I still I I don't know I it was just very moving and and the whole interview with Eloise is fantastic um so if you haven't listened to that episode you really should but that moment um uh having come from a a, a difficult childhood in which I wasn't allowed to view it as difficult. And even now as I'm speaking, I feel sort of guilty saying it, but um, the childhood that I came from, um, you know, to hear that take on it was just huge. Uh, And I don't know, maybe you needed to hear it too. Thank you so much for listening to this this uh, one year anniversary episode of the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. Um, I hope you are all staying safe and as sane as you can during this difficult time. Uh, and uh, remember, eventually, this will be a memory and a weird one, but we will all get through it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, shout from rooftops, smoke signals, hot air balloons, whatever. I'll take any of it. Uh, And if you really like what you're listening, why don't you become a patron? Join our Patreon. Visit us at patreon.com backslash neurotic nourishment. Thanks. Thanks.